Hello everyone, welcome back to the SBK betting podcast. It's the 1st of December and Christmas spirit is all around. We're looking forward to getting really stuck into some Christmas racing and some of the biggest and the best horses are going to be coming out over the next few weeks, not least some Willie Mullen stars over the course of this weekend, but we've also got grade one action at Sandown, the customary meeting. Uh, we've got the Tingle Creek and we've got the Henry, uh, the novices chase as well to look forward to. And that's where a lot of our attention is going to be focused on this weekend. We're also racing back at Aitree as well. Um, but before we get into that, uh, this time last week, Tom Collins, he uh, he said that he was going to come back all guns blazing because Ross Miller said such a wonderful start to the season. TC's had a little bit of catching up to, to do by his own admission, but to do it in the best possible way in what we all know and love to call the, the Hennessy is one thing. A right old gamble you pulled off, TC, because everyone obviously listened to the podcast followed you in and Lemilos, which was put up by you at eight to one was was punted off the boards went in way way shorter you must have been thrilled to see harry skelton give a an all or nothing if we could call it that ride uh, when it came to the end we remastered giving him something to think about but Limolos just did enough for you yeah, pleased to fire back, I have to say. Ross was carrying the show for a bit. And yourself, Jess. Um, I, I was hung over from the flat season, I have to admit. But uh, no, we're back now with the Hennessy winner. Lemilos was really impressive. As you say, all or nothing from Harry Skelton. There's no other jockey I'd rather actually in a close finish than Harry. Yes, he did break the rules. But, you know, as a punter, and this is purely from a punter, I don't mind it. Yeah, well, look, it, it, it's it's been said here and there before. Look, the way that... Harry Skelton came off the horse. You, you thought that they, they had a bit in hand, but then when you see what what had happened afterwards, he there was an excessive use of the whip, wasn't there, Ross? And there was, and we go through these um, occasions there and there and thereabouts, and we say, well, you know, punters get the money back, but it's not really good enough. It's not really okay, really, when you look into the the rule book. What were your views on this, considering so much has been said about? the whip in recent weeks and the way that the jockeys are going to be carrying their whip. But if you can't get the rules right now or the way that they are, then how are we going to implement new rules? I, I think it certainly um, throws the new rule under some light, doesn't it really? In that he, he uh, a, in the, in the BHA uh, website, it didn't say how many strokes over the limit he'd have gone. Uh, if you count, it's either 11 or 12. If it was 12, in the new rules that come in, he'd have had the race taken off him. If it was 11, he wouldn't. Um, surely if, they, if, if they're saying cheating is cheating and you're going to get thrown out, then it's just the eight, surely. Um, or they've got to resort back to the rules as they used to be, which is if it looks bad, it is bad. Um, because I must admit, I, I, I'd be quite keen on watching that sort of thing. And I didn't, in the first instance, think, God, that was horrific with the stick. Um, when you watch it back, he's gone over the number. So, yeah, I, I just worry that we're digging ourselves into a bit of a hole here and, and are trying to sort of please people that are never going to be pleased. Yeah, it's a, it's a we've been going around in circles with this quite a lot. Um, there's always going to be people agree, disagree, but whatever the case, Lemilos was put up as a section from TC and did come through and does it like a good horse that the skeletons have really um, fl really flourishing with at the moment this season. Can't forget Rare Edition also delivered a winning nap for TC too at Doncaster. So all in all, a very good weekend. I thought I was going to get a bit of a ribbing, but TC, you've given me, um, you let me off. Hey, just um, give me a moment. <laughs> I, will, I will give you a bit of a ribbing. Hey, last week on this podcast, Jess, 
You said, I'm, t- I'm napping, Mr. Coffee. You, you actually labelled the horse as an enigma. And in the same race with Zanza, a horse that you tipped all of last season, Mr. Coffee goes out because of the ground. You don't even have a, a, a little saver on Zanza. There he goes, hacks up by about 15 lengths. What happened? I wanted to find my new enigma for this season. <laughs> and I don't even know if he is an enigma or not because he's too precious to run on the ground. I couldn't believe it. My head was in my hands. I've never been so disappointed in myself, especially on a, around a horse that I have no association with. And also the look on the Philip Hobbs face when this horse came in. He was more surprised than anything. You don't know. This horse, the race was a bit of a, a, a second guess. Um, and the horse has clearly completely surprised them as well, as he's done all of us. What I can say is after going up an almighty amount in the handicap, I don't think he's going to be winning. I mean, these are going to be famous last words. I don't think he's going to be winning a huge amount after this. So maybe I'm safe now. But hopefully all the Zanza fans out there who have been following him did keep their faith in the horses. He did um, absolutely bolt up um, at uh, Newbury last week. But anyway... Enough of that. We'll go into this week. We'll start a fresh slate. Ross, you've got you've got the opportunity to bring yourself back to life and give TC something to think about. Is the Tingle Creek the race that is going to uh, come out with a big price winner? Or is it going to be obvious, as the betting suggests? Shishkin has been declared even money favourite. Grenatine, 9-4. Edward Stone's in here, 5-1. Gems to me for Willie Mullins, 8-1. Funable Savola, 33s. And Dunvegan is 100 to one, we've got them all there at the moment. Likely that they do all run. We hope. I overheard uh, Alan King say today at Wincanton that he uh, still needs to see how the ground will be by Saturday. Um, if they all, let's say hypothetically, Ross, they're all going to stand their ground. First of all, from a race perspective, the shape of the race. How how can you see this developing? And who is your selection? Uh, so. I'll come straight at the blocks and say it's a, it's a no bet race for me because you have to see how Shishkin's going to come back. But if he comes back, and I have no reason, and we discussed it on the um, pod discussing the season, I have no reason to think he's not going to come back from this. It was a bone condition. It's not a soft tissue problem. If he comes back, he is by some distance the best horse in this field. He can run probably £10 below his best and still win this. He's met Grinatine in the Desert Orchid Chase only just over a year ago, um, and beaten by a very comfortable 10 lengths. Now, you could say that Grenatine is, is, is very well suited by Sandown. You'd have to say that Shishkin is surely going to love the Sandown Hill as well. I don't see, if Shishkin turns up somewhere near his best, that he doesn't comfortably win this. But given how he bombed out badly uh, at Cheltenham, at the current price, I certainly don't want to be going going in i think there was value earlier in the week grinatine was sort of a much bigger price than he is now and i think he shortened up dramatically people thought shishkin was kind of going to come out of the race what it does show is that with ground descriptions good to soft is very different on different tracks because presumably they're talking about a lot more moisture in the ground at sandown having had that deluge what was it three weeks ago it was rained off so um i think you have to sit tight for me, it's definitely a race to watch. I wouldn't want to be back in Grinatine to beat Shishkin, but I wouldn't want to be taking evens about the fact that Shishkin is back to his best. So for me, it's a, a race to watch and enjoy. I don't see anything outside of those two. Eberstone is a great horse. I'm certain he's going to end up going up in trip. 
and I'm not sure the novice form from last year is all that much. I mean, Grinitin's already kicked Warlord out the way uh, in the Halden Gold Cup. Um, so, yeah, I think it's between the top two in the market. It's not a race I want to have a bet in. Um, but I'd be really, really keen to see Shishkin back to his best because I think it adds another dimension to the two-mile chase picture going forwards. If he doesn't come back to his best, it's looking like a bit of a solo for Enigamin for the rest of the season, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Enigamin and Shishkin obviously had that almighty battle at Ascot. Then it just didn't go according to plan, obviously, for Shishkin when when they went to Cheltenham. But it sounds, all intents and purposes, that they've got through these issues with Shishkin. As you mentioned, it's a very unusual bone condition. Uh, they've worked it out relatively quickly after Cheltenham. So you think that that's March time. We're now sitting in December. You've given him plenty of time to go through all of those processes, make sure that his galloping is absolutely A1, that his jumping is absolutely A1. And you've just got to view this horse like he is any other horse coming back up after a break as opposed to necessarily an injury because you've given him so much time. And we saw TC this time last year when he came back to Kempton for his first run. Yes, it was a long break, but he was pretty spectacular. So he goes well fresh. He's beaten Grenatine. Uh, do you think that's enough to make him even money favourite? Or do you think that, that the market has essentially got this wrong? Well, I think it's got it slightly wrong. I think Shishkin deserves to be favourite, but even money is very short for me, purely because there are now two unknowns, two unknowns that we didn't know about Shishkin before. The fact he's got a bone condition, he comes off a layoff, he goes well fresh, so that's not an unknown. But also the fact that we don't 100% know that he's going to run. Now, Andrew Cooper's been watering the ground. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to water it enough so that Nicky Henderson's going to think, yeah, you know what, let's run Shishkin um, in this race. But at the same time, if it's not ideal for Shishkin, it's going to be ideal for Grenatine. Grenatine is a solid play. If you're having a bet, and we're filming this on Thursday, if you're going to have a bet at this point, it has to be Grenatine because he's the solid option in the race. He has far less to prove than the likes of Shishkin and Edwardstone, who I agree with Ross will be better over longer trips and also was beaten a pretty moderate bunch in Novice Company last year. Like Edwardstone, if we focus on him for a, a short second, he's got £15 to find with Shishkin. He's got £10 to find with Grenatine. He's just not good enough. He could easily improve, don't get me wrong, but I think that will come over longer distances. So he's definitely a write-off for me, and that would just leave the top two in the market. Mm. If Shishkin was 6-4, to 7-4 to four in here, Grenatine 15-8, to 2-1, to one, then I'll probably be tipping Shishkin because that factors in the, the unknowns that I've already mentioned. But the fact that there's such disparity between the two, when Grenatine, this is going to be Grenatine's Gold Cup, don't forget. Shishkin's just coming back. It's his first run, prepping for bigger targets later in the year. Grenatine won this last year. He'll be teed up for it again. Posted a career best last time out in the Howden Gold Cup. A really good effort, albeit against lesser opposition than the likes of Shishkin and Edwardstone. Mm. And he loves Sandown. Like, there's loads of ticks in the boxes, and Shishkin has those question marks. So, yeah, I think the market has got it slightly wrong. It's Grenatine for me. Final question on this. Obviously, Ross's opinion is to no bet. But Grenatine... Yes, he's had a great start to the season, you know, seven-length win over Dolos, he, you know, having to handle top weight. Do you think he's improved? Because he'll need to improve if Shishkin is at his very best, because we've seen what an absolute fit A1 horse can do to Grenatine. Um, but if, um, as what Paul Nichols has said, that he is a better horse now, a year older, you know, more experience on his back, that it, it could be a close, close, closer fought match if they're both at their absolute peak. 
Yeah, well, I think he's definitely improved. I think he posted an RPR of 173. It might have been 172 in the Held and Gold Cup at Exeter, which was two pounds better than his previous best. So that already shows that he's taken that step forward uh, for the summer on his back and, you know, improving as an older horse. Shishkin, if he comes back to his best, he's officially rated 176, but we know he's capable of a performance in the 180s. Then he will beat Grenity, don't get me wrong. But at the prices, with the current question marks to his name and the current ticks and improvement with grenatine you don't even know grenatine could still improve another three pounds here mm. grenatine has to be the play at nine to four two to one when shishkin's half the price okay well for what it's worth i think if any person is able to get a horse back to their very best for a race it is uh, nikki henderson obviously the main one will be uh, march when they hopefully take each other on again against enigamine yeah. but I just reading through these lines that they're really happy with him and um, he, he's he been schooling very well. And I don't think, I think we forget what kind of a, a monster he is when he is at his very best. And I just, I just feel that they've got him there. Um, so I, I, I put my faith into Shishkin against TC, but which, what, which is um, an intriguing uh, affair as it always is the Tingle Creek um, the betting race of the weekend is the Beecher Handicap Chase which is our entry over, over the, the national fences so this is where we probably got to have a little bit more fun from a, um, a previewing perspective and getting digging into um, what could be a bit of value because it's five to one the field at the moment um, Ashtown Lad and Guestkill joint favourites at that price Captain Kangaroo sevens he'll succeed eights with Snow Leopardess five star getaways tens along with the Wolf uh, Darasha Counter 14s and Dr Kanaga 14s 20 to 1 big at the rest um, Ross considering you don't have a big big strong view on the on the Tingle Creek do you have a do you have a better view on this on this speech chase and a good price value play maybe for us yeah I've, I've taken two against the field Jess um, I think five star getaway is undoubtedly well handicapped now off 132 just two pound higher than when Winning at Kempton over three miles, uh, it had Phlegmatic and Fortescue and uh, Kitty's Light behind him. Stayed on really well that day. Um, I do just have a slight concern over the three and a quarter mile trip for him. Uh, and that the run that put that sort of seeded out in my mind was the run at Sandown, where he travelled really nicely into the race and then just sort of slightly emptied up the hill after the last. But in hindsight, he was beaten four lengths. Uh, in receipt of five pound by Lemilos. Um, so that form's not looking too bad at all now. Um, he was very eye-catching on his return at Bangor on very heavy ground. Um, sort of quite a typical Christian Williams horse having its first run of the season. He looked big enough in the paddock. Mm. He was not really given a hard time in the early part of the race, focusing on rhythm, focusing on his jumping, focusing on giving them a good experience. I think they do that very well with their first first time chasers back. Stayed on very nicely um late in the day over two mile four uh that's certainly short of his best he's already jumped around the national fences in the topham last year that ground there was was far too quick he got taken off his feet a bit over that trip early um but he jumped beautifully jack tudor i think is a rider really well suited to the beach the beach fences rides with a good length of leg he rides in a nice rhythm takes his time through the race i can see that really suiting um so yeah, off 132, I think he's going to go very close. And we know the owners will have lined this up. They love ancient runners. They're local people. Mm -hmm. um, the director of ITV Racing will be hoping they don't win um, <laughs> after he uh, dropped, a, dropped a rude word um, earlier in the season. But I think this has certainly been the target. 
Christian Williams is brilliant with the targets. Uh, I can see him going going really well. Um, but with that slight concern over the over the trip, I want to have another one on side. And the other one is Percussion, um, who's seven pound off now, uh, better off now for an eight length defeat by Jaskill uh, in the Grand Sefton. Um, to my eye, there was only one of those two that was was staying on strongly at the end, and that was Percussion. Um, he's already won over three mile two on heavy ground. He's won over three mile on good ground. Stamina is assured. Um, he usually improves for his first run, and that was his first run for 160-something days. Uh, if he takes a step forwards, I think he can go close. And again, it's a bit of a pricing. He's five times the price of Jaskiel, and he's handicapped to get pretty close to him. Um, he jumped the fences nicely. It's a bit of a shame Adam Wedge is on. Gavin Sheehan is a is a good replacement, but I think Adam Wedge does do particularly well with this horse. Um, but those are my two against the against the field. Okay, percussion. We've got twenty to one for you, which is um, a pretty uh, juicy price. And five star guestway ten to one says so you say double the price for those in what is a big field. And it's important your points about the the fences horses that really appreciate it. We saw a wonderful performance from Snow Leopardess um, last year. We've seen back to back winners of this of this race um, time and time again as well. Uh, Walking the Mills really loved it around here. This Violon Vue, she's won who won it in 2020 and 2016. So yeah, it's a, a horse that can jump is, is really um, ex- especially important. Um, Tom, um, from looking at what uh, Ross has said about his selections, um, thoughts behind, thoughts from your from where you're sitting, how you've looked at this, um, there isn't a huge amount of entry form over these fences that I can find from them. Um, you've got plenty of them that have uh, a, a kind of not entirely certain how they're going to take to them. Guess Gill's an obvious one, and he's been reflecting in in the bet in the betting for a team Oliver Greenall and Josh Guerrero, who are just flying as a new partnership. Um, that is quite obvious, but he's going to have to take another step, hefty pro, um, step up in in his uh, in his ability to to win this. Do you think? Yeah, I do. I don't really like Gaskill that much at all. Now, he's an obvious selection because of that recent effort behind Al Dancer, where he looked like he was going to win for much of the race, but just couldn't get up uh, close home. But he's been hit with a four-pound rise for that. And also, I'm, I have trip concerns uh, regarding Gaskill. I think the most obvious winner, which is also reflected in the betting, I think the market is pretty spot on here, aside from Gaskill being a little too short. Uh, the most obvious winner is probably Ashtown Lad. He's undoubtedly well handicapped off 138 based on his novice chase form and his hurdling form. He's an exceptional jumper of a fence as well, despite only being in his second season of chasing. He was the last off my shortlist, but because he was a, a reasonably short price favourite, or at least will be, I imagine, come the off, I had to look elsewhere. Horse I like in here is Hill 16. Now, he does have form over these Grand National fences because he ran in this race last year. He finished second behind Snow Leopardess. Mm-hmm. Snow Leopardess given a great ride out in front. She jumped beautifully, pinged every single fence really stretched going down the back as well. And Hill 16 was right out of the back, really cold, had to move through the field. Now, he jumped really nicely, apart from two fences, uh, which he just got in a little close to. He negotiated them well, got to the other side fine. And he made a real big effort close to home. He got within a nose of beating Snow Leopardess. I actually think he ran the better race out of the two, just wasn't given as good a ride as the eventual winner. He warmed up for this with a good third at Kelso behind two good horses. Um, the winner, I think, is very progressive. And the second was I Wright, and we know plenty about him. Now, he is running off uh, a lot of higher mark, Hill 16, mm. this year than last year. He's a bigger price than Ashdown Lad, which is why I'm siding with him. 
but he's not as well handicapped as that horse. So you've got to factor that in. But I think I, I actually snapped up a double figure price earlier on with Hill 16. I think he'll probably go off around 8, 10 to 1, which is plenty fair enough. Okay, yeah, and um, intriguing that. And uh, yeah, as you write, Right, you say, ran an absolute blinder and what was a thrilling race last year. And interestingly, obviously, Snow Leopardess comes back into this race. How, um, TC, do you look at her and especially what, what happened to her last time? Um, it'd be great to get your thought and, and Ross as well, because from a horseman's perspective, like she had an absolute nightmare. But I don't know if it was necessarily, um, you know, a, a, just a, a fault of her own or, you know, how you could view it because she's. She clearly had a bit of a night. She she didn't have a great run in the Grand National itself, and she's just been pulling up, pulling up. But it might be more more than meets the eye. Um, can you forgive her, TC, um, coming back to this race that she won so well last year? Well, you can partly forgive her because we've seen, as you've touched on, that she won this race last year. She suits the course. She's a very good jumper on at her best. But at the same time, there are now questions she has to answer. Too many questions for me to actually want to back her. And also, there's other speed in this race. It feels weird saying speed when I'm talking about the beacher. But you know what I mean? Like front runners, horses mm. that want to get on with it up front. Last year, she had a real easy time in the lead. This time, that's not going to be the case. So I think there are plenty of question marks and doubts regarding Snow Leopardess. But I'd love to see her run a good race. Yeah, Ross, just your thoughts on it. Obviously, Brian Hughes comes in for the ride. Aidan Commons at Sandown. But... Brian Hughes, he's ridden her before. He, you know, he speaks for himself. He's, he's the champion jockey for a reason. But she slipped approaching the first fence last time, causing her to make a mistake. Um, he, Aiden Coleman lost his right eye, and it is, you know, when, when that happens for a jockey, you, you, there's, there's nowhere out. You can't get back into it, can you? No, I mean, I, I'm often surprised more jockeys don't just say that's the race gone and pull up like the number of times you see them make horrific mistakes get sort of tailed off and they keep on going away and you often think surely there must be a race for them in three or four days time if you just pulled up now because your your race today is gone she's an experienced mare i'm sure she'll have been well schooled the concern with her is surely that she's just gonna get taken off her feet on this this ground is much quicker than she had last year um you know if if there's no rain forecast if the rain comes for her you have to say the rain also comes for Domaine de Hill, who finished third last year and is something ridiculous, like £16 better off with her. Uh, maybe it might even be more. Um, so there's no concern over her in terms of her jumping. I'm sure she'll be well schooled. Brian Hughes is is very good at finding some daylight in races and make sure she gets into a rhythm. But I can just see her getting taken off her feet on this slightly better ground. OK, yeah. Right, well, so those selections up. I'm just going to... my A small... Um, uh, a bet for me on on card a horse I really like last season and I followed him quite closely um and because in the spirit of um not falling off too many cliffs of horses that I like last season and I'm not going to bat this season um I thought he's uh, made a, a good enough start to his um sorry he, he he his start to his season was at Newbury over hurdles last time where he was entitled just to need the run I think it was just a a pipe opener uh, massively so but his form from last year is really good especially at Haydock he beat the likes of Remastered who's really helped the form. I think he needs better ground, which he'll get this weekend. Um, and I'm not um, completely against him. Uh, obviously, unknown over these fences, but worth taking a slight little bit of a, a risk again, a risk with uh, with Encard. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that he could um, give Charlie Hammond a good spin at 20 to 1. We've got the bet of the weekend. We've got the stat attack and an ex-best as well from the guys. But before we get on to that... 
we're getting into real heat and the thick of the World Cup and some sensational results, some huge tasks uh, underhand by some of the, the rank outsiders, but some of the leading players are, are doing well as well. Sorry for Ross that Wales have crashed out, um, but England is still just about in it. And uh, yeah, plenty to look forward to. And because of that, SBK have got some excellent podcasts for you to listen to on the SBK podcast platforms. We have a regular World Cup podcast with Gary Pallister and Lee Sharp. But outside of that, outside of the World Cup, there's also weekly NFL podcasts that TC records with Nat Coombs. And we can hear from Nat Coombs briefly now to tell us a bit more about SBK Edge Rush. SBK Edge Rush drops every week with me and Propo demonstrating, well, why there is such a gulf, quite frankly, even in NFL terms between Generation X and Gen Z. We get you set on the sharp side of the week's action with our favorite looks, tips and steers. Yep, there are Propo's prop bets. Of course, there's our SBK Edge Rush Acker and naturally the most important battle of all, me and all going head to head with our Drew Locks of the week. So if you haven't already, Check out me, Propo, and occasionally Coco and Pebbles over on SBK Edge Rush. And no, Propo still hasn't watched The Wire. Right, OK, on to pressing matters at hand this weekend. The better of the weekend, anywhere that you want to go. Uh, Ross, you've got some catching up to do after Tom's excellent weekend last weekend. So what have you found? So for the best bet, Jess, I've gone to the 212 at Chepstow. Uh, the John Joe O'Neill partnership have Iron Bridge uh, in the Trevor Hemmings colours. Uh, he was ultra impressive at Carlisle last time. He looked like he was coming off second best, jumped the last, just powered away up the hill to win by a eight and a half length margin, but it was getting bigger with every stride. Uh, the horse in second, Harper's Brook, has since come out and won in equally impressive style himself. He's now got a mark of 134. Iron Bridge has got a 12 pound rise, but steps up to three miles. The way he finished over two and a half miles that day suggests this is going to be right up his street. I think three miles can see him defy a 12 pound hike. I think he's a really exciting horse. He's very lightly raced. Um, I think he's going to take all the beating. And I think it's probably noticeable that, that John Joneal goes to Chepstow to ride this horse. Mm, absolutely, considering uh, what a big day there is um, outside of Chepstow. Two to one, Ironbridge, is that all right for you as it stands? Do very nicely indeed as it stands, thank you. And let's, well, while well, we've got you, let's get your next best as well. So next best is back at Aintree um, and it's Rise on the Storm. I couldn't believe when I looked that after his old roan chase win, he went up two pound the Tuesday after and he's not been hit with a collateral rise because the form has worked mm. out really well. Hitman was very impressive uh, in a conditions uh, race at Haydock. Jumped beautifully, made all. Galore, who was third, has come out and won the Paddy Powers, now gone up to a mark of 134. Um, and it was quite a lot of chat after his winning the old Rome that he was an old boy rolling back the years. The fact of the matter is he's nine years old. He was just pretty precocious and, do, and did a great lot of good work as a, as a younger horse. Richard Hobson's yard, if we, as we discussed previously, has been out of form last year. Couldn't quite get them right, but they've been in great form this year. He had a winner this week. Um, I think £2 rise in an easier race. Back on a course we know he likes with Brian Hughes on board. I think he's going to take all the beating. I think he's around about 11 to 4 at the moment. I think that's a big price. Um, I'd be really excited to see him run. 
Yeah, Riders on the Storm is 11 to 4, Ambridge 2 to 1. Yeah, as I say, Brian Hughes got a nice book of rides at Aintree on, on the weekend. I'd like to see him in action there. Um, and yeah, as you say, the form couldn't be working out be better. And Tom, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if you were intrigued to see how Riders on the Storm does, considering the the, the clotral form uh, with your selection and Milos last week. How, do you agree with uh, Ross's opinions here? I'm sure you've got... Um, a selection from as far afield as we could find, but Riders on the Storm definitely must have quite a, an interesting chance after last weekend. Yeah, he was really impressive in the old Ryan Chase. Richard Hobson, as um, Ross has just touched on there, is flying since Javier won yesterday. Uh, I mean, he can he's just banging in winners left, right and centre. So for sure, he's definitely a horse that I might bet on Saturday, especially now Ross has put him up. Yeah, okay. Well, what what have you got for us? Is there, Have you got something at Aintree to add to all the selections that we've got to look forward to? Yeah, sticking to entry for both the nap and next best, which is probably uh, surprising for me, given there's Wolverhampton on in the evening. But, um, you know, we'll stick with the jumps action. Confident about both of these as well. Um, equally confident, I'd say, about both. So putting them as a nap and then a next best was pretty tricky. I think they're both joint naps. Firstly, which is the official nap, is Broadway Boy in the 12.20 at Aintree. Now, there are a couple of uh, Irish trainees in this race. It's a three-mile novice handicap hurdle. There's also a horse trained by Sam England called Fenland Tiger, who seeks a four-timer and will probably take some money. But that should mean that Broadway Boy doesn't go off as short as he should. He's only had two runs. First time up was in a market raise and bumper, uh, novice hurdle, sorry. There were four horses in the field. In the morning, he was 13-2, to two, outsider of four. He was sent off Evans' favourite. The, the yard absolutely punted him in. They thought they were going to make uh, a winning debut. Unfortunately, it didn't pan out because Broadway Boy jumped horrifically from the, the outset. The first hurdle was extremely slow, lost about three lengths. He kind of warmed up a little going through the race, but he wasn't fluent throughout. Still only got beat three-quarters of a length by a horse who's rated 115. Last time out at Lingfield, jumped a lot better. Finished second again, but this time behind Authorised Speed, who runs at Sandown on Saturday, and is probably a 140 horse. Broadway Boy now runs in a handicap for the first time, off a mark of 112, looks extremely well treated. He's going to make up into a lovely horse, and the step up and trip to three miles is key to his chance. Okay, yeah, the Nigel Twiston Davis horses are running uh, particularly well. They're running to form anyway, which we always like to see. Um, what, what, what's your next best if it's closely matched from your opinions and how high you rank them for this weekend? Yeah, the next best is Etalon in the 11.45 Aintree. Etalon spelled E-T-A-L-O-N. Um, now, this is obviously the first race at Aintree. Hopefully, punters can get off to a great start because I think this horse is well capable of becoming a graded horse in time, especially over fences. He's a really impressive specimen. Now, I'm not a horseman necessarily, and if a horse looks lovely, maybe I'm not that guy to tell you. I'm not a Ken Peterson. But at the same time, I can tell that Etalon looks like a horse that should be very progressive and very talented. And in his first two runs over hurdles, he's shown plenty. First time up at Chepstow, he loomed large um, and it looked like he was coming through to win the race, but weakened in the closing stages. He's a big raw individual. And I just think that race came a little bit too soon in his career for him to show his best. Now, last time out, he ran uh, a good race at Warwick. He got beat into second, but the winner looks pretty useful again. And he made so much ground from the rear. He got kind of stuck in a pocket around the bend, which wasn't ideal, caused him to check and lose a little bit of momentum. He's a very slick jumper, which I think is definitely going to suit him. This race, there are some good, interesting opposition, including one runner from Ollie Murphy's yard. But at the same time, I think Etalon is well capable of surpassing that horse's ability. So, yeah, I'm really confident that Etalon will win the opener at Aintree and then Broadway Boy will win the second race. 
Okay, we'd love to see it. And uh, clearly with the confidence uh, on your back after winning the Hennessy last weekend, it's nice to see that we've converted you over to the jumps. A bit like we did with Ross so quickly into the flat <laughs> season. We know it can happen. You can love both. It's okay. And you can also enjoy your Wolverhampton and your American flat racing as it comes through as well. Um, there's something for everyone um, in this wonderful game. Um, that's great to hear selections from Tom and from Ross. Um, quick one for me, I think just an observation of anything. Thing. Willie Mullins has been quite slow to bring a lot of his horses um, out onto the track. He normally is anyway. He waits for the ground. He He's also been quite vocal about not being massively happy with horses um, and in terms of getting them getting them there for their first run. And he's just taken his time. Um, no one gives him a hard time about it because he's Willie Mullins and uh, he does things in his own way. But this weekend, he's got a plethora of declarations and some of his most... Uh, um, eagerly anticipated ones as well. So Fasal Vega, he has to be one of the standouts over the weekend. He's uh, running for the first time in public over hurdles at Fairy House. Um, we've also got the likes of Classical Dream, um, who's been given a, a big shout out um, for the Hatton's Grace, but he'll be running up against Honeysuckle. But the one that I wanted to, to mention is Chapeau de Soleil um, in the bumper on Sunday at Fairy House. This horse is already a short prize for the champion bumper um, at Cheltenham come March. Uh, he won uh, his point-to-point. Uh, -point. He's uh, clearly highly regarded and uh, he's got a good profile and he's already been well uh, touted. Um, so I think he's one to watch and uh, for a view for the future, he's probably one of their better one so uh, that is um, an observation from Ireland which is always worth keeping an eye on especially when it comes to the jumps with a view to our biggest festivals come the springtime okay TC um, over to you now for your stat attack what have you got for us yeah, this week's stat attack revolves around a horse for a course. That horse in question is Daisha Abba, who runs in the London National, the 3.30 at Sandown on Saturday. Now, this horse has been a bit in and out in his career. He's won four of 18 starts, placed three times. You don't really know what you're going to get from Daisha Abba unless he's running at Sandown. His form figures at Sandown read 1-1-2-2. He finished second in the London National last year when he was just picked on the run in, ran a great race. If Daisha Abba is going to win this year, it's probably going to be in this race on Saturday. Okay, Daisha Abba, um, nice stat attack there from TC, who's going to spend um, plenty of his time watching Aintree. And of course, we've got Sandow as well and uh, that London National um, to round out the day there. Um, okay, we've gone through it all. We've given you something to think about over the course of this weekend. A reminder that new SBK customers can get £30 in free bets by betting £10. T's and C's always apply. Please remember to subscribe on whatever podcast channel you listen to obviously not just us and our racing content but you've got world cup and nfl content as well to look forward to and listen to um over the course of your week so make sure to tune in and we'll be back next week best of luck and have a great weekend watching the racing <laughs>